Hi, you're listening to the Leadership Advantage podcast with me, Dr. John Kenworthy. The Leadership Advantage ultimately boils down to how you motivate and get people to do things that matter. This isn't some magic trick or silver bullet to instant success, but how you can leverage neuroscience hacks to become a better leader today than you were yesterday. The Leadership Advantage. It's why some leaders thrive whilst others struggle. Greetings everybody and what's better today? This is Dr John Kenworthy and welcome to this podcast and we're going to be learning some lessons from Brexit. Um, In particular, I want to be looking at why talent leaves. But there are some other lessons from Brexit about leadership that we can learn as well. So the UK is getting itself divorced from Europe. Rather surprising with the way different age groups voted, or rather not surprising. Baby boomers and older, and the older Gen X voting to leave, with the youngsters voting to remain. Not only has the vote divided the country in two about Europe, it's divided along generational lines as well. Oh God, not another idiot pundit spouting nonsense about maybe this or maybe that. But let's bring this back to leadership and what it means for you in business. Way back in 1975, Even I was too young to vote. But to me, it was pretty clear that the UK never really committed to the relationship with Europe because it kept sovereignty over its banking and currency. When one party is picking and choosing which parts of the full agreement, the contract and commitment it wants to keep, then there's going to be trouble ahead. The idea of a united Europe is bold. The intentions behind it are laudable and expectations were high that not only would this mean peace throughout Europe, it would be greater prosperity for all. And it's very much about that. It's the expectations that are risen in the negotiation between the talent and their prospective employer. This is true in so many businesses. When we hire people, we establish their expectations for the future. And both the candidate and the employer are selling themselves to the other party. And I remember the arguments back in 75. Europe was selling itself, or rather France and Germany in particular, were selling themselves to the UK as the future direction. Candidates promise sincerely that they have those incredible skills as shown on their CV. Employers might wonder how someone so young had such incredible experience and might question why someone with so much responsibility would want to leave their current position. Employers too, they promise great things, the benefits and hours and career progression, training, mentoring, and always such a bright future. 
There's a little dance as the two playfully, seriously negotiate the agreement and eventually the promise to be diligent in making the relationship work happily ever after. And then reality comes back into play. One day, the candidate, now staff, seems to have forgotten a particular skill set. Their vast experience of similar problems appears to have been um, forgotten. Their tremendous leadership capability and excellent people skills have apparently abandoned them and performance takes a swan dive. Their manager did mentor them for a few minutes and there was a discussion about promotion, but the truth was that there wasn't a, a suitable position and recent cutbacks meant that it would be a while before any new training would be held. So what causes talent to leave? Well, talent expects to be paid a fair amount and equitable with what they can get outside. (laughs) No, it's not about the money, everyone says, but it is about the money. Wait a moment. So is it the money or isn't it? So many respondents in surveys by the likes of uh, the Harvard Business Review, Forbes and so on, would make you believe that talent does not put money in their top five main reasons for leaving. And that's true when I've done surveys too. But when you ask some headhunters and you find that the single most powerful thing they do to sway talent away from one company to another is the money involved. Money shows respect like nothing else. But it certainly isn't the only thing unless you're seriously underpaying your talent. More importantly for many, there needs to be evidence of equity and fairness in compensation and opportunities. Nothing riles us more than seeing someone else getting preferential treatment or someone getting something that they've done nothing deserving to get. Talent expects you to coach and mentor them as you promised. When interviewed on Exit, Talent mentioned coaching, mentoring and training as their top reason for wanting to move on to greener pastures. Everyone is promised a personalised and structured career development plan when they join a company with a mentoring and or a coaching culture to support it and plenty of suitable training opportunities. The reality is a lot different. So they get sold the same promise down the road and quit. Only, of course, to find out that while that they don't to follow through on that promise plan down the road either. Talent wants to be working with the latest and the best. Opportunities to work with more advanced technologies is a major reason for top talent to leave, according to a 2016 Deloitte Business Confidence report. They want to be working with the latest technologies, the best technologies and the best people and leaders. And talent, they they expect to have a fair and supportive boss. That's reasonable, of course. And its most often cited reason for talent leaving is because of their immediate boss. 
from lack of recognition, no respect, bullying, incompetence, and the many colours between, it seems that the old adage is true. People join a company, but they leave a boss. So why do they join the company, but leave the boss? See, organisations, they go to great lengths to make sure that they look after and support their staff. The promises of coaching and mentoring and opportunities are well meant. It's just that on the ground floor, during the average workday, the immediate boss is stretched to the limit. They have far too much on their plate and insufficient time to do all of that soft, nice-to-have extra stuff that leaders are meant to do. After all, they do have a job to do. And many bosses that we've spoken to tell us, well, I may as well do it myself. See, if the boss hands over that opportunity to stretch the staff, well, they may as well just do it themselves because by the time they've coached them and fixed the mess that they make, they might as well just have gotten on with it themselves. Oh, the times I've heard this as a reason to hold on to work and keep control rather than take a risk and let go. Far too many leaders secretly don't like to let go of certain tasks. And very frequently, they don't want to let go of doing things they don't actually enjoy doing. But control is power. And holding these things tight keeps that power safe. Talent expects to be given suitable opportunities and work for a supportive boss who recognises and appreciates them. And they leave when their expectations aren't met. Companies can try rewarding managers and leaders for not working. That will be a novel approach. The more you don't do things, but coach others to do, the more you are rewarded. Okay, so where does the talent go when it leaves? See, talent wants to work and be with their friends. When I was working predominantly for telecoms businesses during the early heydays of mobile, the industry was incredibly nepotistic. People would quit one telco and move to their arch rival. Then they poached the talented team members over. A few years later, there would be another move elsewhere. Then, of course, that arch rival would get taken over by the first company and the talent would be back home. Hmm. And the other thing is talent likes more. And they know that they deserve it. Of course, there would be more money on the table and usually a promotion, or at least the job title was a promotion. And telecoms is not alone in this. Most people stay largely within an industry, from one hotel chain to another, from one big software house to another, from one bank to another. Your competitors are, like you, constantly searching for talent to give them an edge. And if they can poach someone from you then that's a double whammy. They gain while you lose. Occasionally, someone moves industry, but that's when you know you've really lost someone with more unusual talent. 
And when do they quit? Talent will give you time to fulfil your promises. Anyone who's been in corporate life for any length of time knows that there are cycles of boom and bust. When times are good, there is a more relaxed atmosphere and leaders find time to recognise and appreciate their team members. Perhaps there is a spurt of training or a new initiative to get that mentoring culture underway. There's enthusiasm for a while and talent likes the attention and support and the opportunities. But when times are tough, the talent gets to leaving, if they can. There's a glitch, a stutter in the market, and some of the hatches are closed. Managers push for more sales, faster turnaround, better quality, and there's no more money for this, and the time is now. Every year there's a call for faster, better, cheaper, and management push the talent harder. While engagement levels plummet, management mistakenly assumes that all is still okay. And the allure of money is is out there. After the first couple of years, it seems that pay increments are not keeping up with the market and the allure of more money begins to bite. The talent is now beginning to think they would be better off elsewhere, perhaps something more exciting, interesting and definitely more money, even though they don't leave for the money. Workers who stay at one company for more than two years are paid up to 50% less. And we now have this three to four year career cycle. Gone are the days of lifetime employment many, many moons ago. See, by the third or the fourth year, a competitor is snooping around because their market is fine or they're about to embark on an expansion and they come courting your talent just as they are beginning to feel a little bit neglected or worse, abused. So talent leaves because, well, it's not because of money. It's because they want to be with their friends. They want opportunities. They want their boss in particular to recognize and appreciate them. They quit after giving you sufficient time and letting you try and fulfill your promises. But the allure of money is still there. And typically every three to four years now, people are moving on to something new, perhaps to be with their friends. So how do we retain the real talent? Well, companies spend an absolute fortune on recruiting talent. And when there is competition to recruit, the promise is to provide the best working environment, the most supportive place to grow, and flourish are sold with conviction. Well-meaning HR managers share details of planned career paths and support, some even with the intention of delivering on it. But then budgets get cut. Or priorities change and the daily task list for HR gets bogged down with administrative issues. And then there is this complete lack of shared situational awareness. Managers and leaders get pressure to deliver on results and find no time for the promised mentoring, preferring to delegate that time-consuming effort to others. Take time to listen really Listen to your talent and recognise them for effort and not just for results. For many, they've been winning gold stars for trying. And when you ignore them because they should have grown up of that, out of that by now, and they should know what to do to get results, means that they'll be easily led astray by anyone who does listen and pats them on the back. 
And above all, we need to identify the real talent. That's the talent that is giving you a genuine competitive advantage. For too long and too often, companies make the mistake of equating exam results with talent and far more frequently those with connections and class ties. So we retain talent first and foremost by listening to them and acknowledging them and making sure we have shared situational awareness. But if I invest in training or coaching them, they just get poached for a little bit more money. Well, one, it's not a little bit more money. It's usually quite a lot. And yes, it's true. As you mentor and train them, they'll become more attractive to outsiders. You could, of course, choose to not develop them at all and keep them. Nothing quite like keeping a fabulous standard of mediocrity in your team. Oh, but I hear I would love to mentor them, but I simply don't have enough time. Are you sure about that? Can you afford just five minutes each week for each team member? Would it help if you spent less time in meetings that weren't useful? Is it possible to delegate something that consumes your time that perhaps one of your talent would consider to be play for them? The reason that you don't have enough time for you is that you haven't prioritised it. Perhaps you could have coaching talent as a KPI. One tech company I worked for was having a tough time retaining talent. They would recruit youngsters fresh from university and put them through a structured training and development program. They'd be teaching them the latest technology and the work was more exciting than most similar roles. Then, as soon as they finished their training, their value on the market went sky high. They would quit one day and, and walk across the street for twice the pay. And they did in droves. Exit interviews revealed that more than 90% of these talent felt stressed due to the workload and the way their bosses ignored their pleas for extra time or help when they needed it. When they were approached and offered more money, they felt that they deserved it for putting up with the stress and difficulties. Developing the managers to actively coach and mentor and tracking weekly interactions as their main bonus-linked KPI worked wonders for this firm. Even though the talent continued to be approached, less than 3% took the bait. Interviewing the talent after the implementation of a coaching KPI revealed that talent, and I quote, felt listened to, that they were supported and were treated as a valuable asset. And you could try listening to and acknowledging talent. There's nothing quite like being ignored to stoke the fires of resentment. In a government ministry, the high potential group was seething with indignation when the senior leader dismissed their complaints as a childish rant and unworthy of his time. Whatever the merits of someone's concerns, if leaders don't take the time to listen and acknowledge their points of view, it will only breed more and deeper resentment and ill feeling. 
Perhaps it is childish. Perhaps the workload is fair. Perhaps the problem is only temporary. Yet most of the time we just want someone to pay attention to how we feel about something. Yes, it would be great if they fixed it, but at least empathise with me. When you listen and learn to communicate effectively, you begin to have shared situational awareness, which will help you overcome most of the issues leaders face daily. But in particular, it will help you retain your talent. In this government ministry, we coach the leaders to listen and pay attention. Not just a play act as if they were listening, but they were tasked with keeping and sharing notes with identified actions and sometimes the not taken action. Each leader held a town hall meeting of their team every month and the issues, real and so-called imagined, were discussed and given airtime. Within four months, those issues became less and less significant Staff were happier and more engaged in their work. And by the end of the year, staff turnover had reduced 14%. And importantly, the high potential group were holding their own town hall meetings and being actively groomed by their mentors. When we think of talent leaving, often we may consider that they should respect the promise that they made to the firm too. And it's true that some talent have excessive expectations. They want to be promoted despite showing a lack of ability at their current level, let alone at a higher position. They can be abrasive and belligerent and rather passive-aggressive. And perhaps they should respect that the firm has taken a chance on them too. But how will they learn without a suitable role model? How do we go about fulfilling the expectations? When organisations recruit talent, they often overpromise on the benefits. They set great expectations for their new recruits and too frequently miss the small but significant details of keeping them engaged and productive. Throwing money at the problem in the form of salaries to hold on in desperation often backfires when other staff are forced to socialise the cost of keeping the talent. When leaders accept responsibility for attaining and growing talent as an essential part of their role and learn to let go of control and power, then talent has the space to thrive and realistic expectations can be fulfilled. Let's go back to Brexit. When the UK voted to leave the EU, it was a shock and surprise to those in the Remain camp. It seemed that the prejudicial, anti-immigration and more right-wing elements had somehow prevailed. The UK has long been ignoring the simmering and growing resentment that's been building. I remember back in the 70s and the wonderful promise of the European Union. By the end of that decade, the Iron Lady, Margaret Thatcher, began the process that would close the coal mines, the steel factories, most of the UK industry, and farms were laid fallow or smothered in rape. The then National Front had been silenced for the time being and London grew into a financial powerhouse with ultra-rich young men flashing bonus checks and mocking the unemployed. There was great promise. It's just that some people 
the majority it now seems, and their concerns were being dismissed as racist. Certainly the rhetoric was racist and nationalistic, but it's always easier to blame a common enemy for your woes than accept responsibility. But what the UK leadership failed to do was listen to those concerns. They were dismissed rather than acknowledged and addressed. So when we look at the leadership lessons from Brexit, let's not make the same mistakes that the political leadership of the UK and Europe made to assume that logic would prevail, that decency and the right decision would be made. The disaffected in the UK were given a voice and whether you agree with their reasoning or not, they exercised their choice and left. The talent in your team always have a choice. Even if there's no other suitor luring them with more cash and benefits, the allure of working for myself is a powerful one. Even if a move would be a mistake, they still have a choice. As leaders, we need to respect that they have a choice. And right now, they've chosen to work for you. Yes, it's a two-way street and perhaps they should be a little more amenable and forgiving. That's why talent needs real leaders, people who know the way, go the way and show the way. Expect to be a great leader and overfulfill their and your expectations. So what can you take away from this today? As a next step, one thing that you can do today is choose to listen to someone today. I mean really listen, deliberately and truthfully listen by taking the time to ask questions, acknowledge them and respect them and their point of view. They won't be expecting it, but they will appreciate it. Be greatly blessed. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Leadership Advantage podcast. You can learn more on how to motivate and get people to do things that matter over at my website at leadershipadvantage.com.